In a world of art and entertainment, we often seek deeper meaning and overanalyze the presentation. Director Paul Verhoeven often uses B-movie genre as a vehicle for complex human emotions, social satire, and shocking sex and violence. Is this genius subtext for the artist's intent, or our own imagination looking for cosmic connection where none were intended? We call this dilemma dilemma the Verhoeven Verhoeven effect. Hello and welcome to the Verhoeven Effect podcast. I'm Conlon. And I'm Nathan. Here on the Verhoeven Effect, at least for season one, we're looking at network television shows. Because probably for the last decade, I have not watched network television. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> uh, probably the last night, uh, maybe this is within the decade. Well, like really the last show I can think of that I paid attention to was Lost. Yeah. Okay. And that end and that ended in like 2010. And that was probably the last kind of network show that I like paid attention to, like, oh, week to week, let's watch Lost. Are you in a similar boat with that, or do you think you have a later show than that? No, I, I I'm uh well a lot of my life was based around shift work. And for the first like uh fifteen years of my working life, I worked like afternoons, midnight, stuff like that. So there was no like daily, nightly like television ritual. Yeah, uh, and so I just kind of got out of it because uh, even watching Lost, I just went down to the library and got the seasons. Like so, when Lost was actually going on, and I, it's like, well, the season's not out at the library yet, so don't tell me about it, because uh, I would just watch it in one like continuous thing. Yeah, which was the, so. So even then, like the the weekly ritual has not been a part of my life since <laughs> I was a teenager, and that's been quite a while ago. So yeah. And even with like streaming networks, like I still don't pay attention to network shows, even though it's pretty easy to watch them if you wanted to. Yeah. And so maybe the the closest show that I watched recently was when Hannibal, I believe it was an NBC show came out, but that was kind of a special one because most network shows are like, it's 24, 25 episodes a year. It comes out pretty regular you know they premiere at the same times but hannibal was a show that they put out in the summer and it was like 13 episode seasons okay uh and i think later seasons were even less and i did pay attention to that for a bit but even that i wasn't like week to week i was like oh i hear this is a good show and i started when this like the second season had finished i started watching it and then i don't think i even watched the the fourth or the last season it's like i was just holding on to it i guess i still haven't watched it because that's basically uh, gets into silence of the lambs but that okay. was a really cool show but that was probably but also that was like a very unusual network show like it was uh for a network show is extremely violent now the actions weren't that violent but the uh the aftermath he witnessed was exceptionally violent yeah, it makes it disturbing because it's almost like wow now we're gonna piece together whatever horror happened here yeah uh so here so here for this this season we are exploring three different network shows from vaguely different eras. Two of them are the same. One of them is for, is from the eighties. Yes. We're covering NCIS New Orleans uh, because I know of NCIS. I've seen episodes of NCIS. Uh, there's like 20 seasons and it's like usually one of the most successful shows on television. Yes. But I didn't, I didn't want to dive into that one. So we chose one of the offshoots and I've seen NCIS. I've seen episodes of NCIS Los Angeles but I don't like I know like Gibbs, like I oh, know right. Gibbs and I know um, like the eccentric coroner 
like hacker chick in NCIS. Okay. Uh, I like, I know of her, I know very, but so we chose NCIS New Orleans. Cause it's the one like I haven't, like I knew it existed, but I haven't seen one episode of it. So <laughs> we just threw that in. I, I just chose um, it because Scott Bakula was in it. And it's like, I yeah, remember yeah. him from Inter- uh, enterprise. Yeah. And quantum leap and quantum leap. Yeah. And then uh, we have the mentalist, which is a show. I mean, a lot of these are like police procedurals. Yeah. Um, and they're they're built to last a long time. Like NCIS is still going. I think it's like on like twenty seasons or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's and then like NCIS Los Angeles is like on its twelfth season. And like this NCIS New Orleans, which feels like it came out yesterday to us because like we haven't been paying attention to it, has seven f-ing seasons, and this is the last one. Yeah. Um it wrapped this year. Not- yeah, it's 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 being cancer wrapping up this year. So while they 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 close out New Orleans, they're opening up NCIS Hawaii. So NCIS continues. Yes, it's <laughs> it's gonna be there for you. I it vaguely reminds me of when uh, CSI came out, and yes. then and then you had CSI in Miami, and then you had CSI in New York, and then they just slowly dwindled away, and then they were like all gone. But then they came out, they tried to bring it back with CSI Cyber, which was terrible. I didn't even know about that. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. One season, complete failure. And I don't like in CSI, like later seasons, like sound interesting because they have like Elizabeth Shue and Ted Danson. It was like a completely different cast. Huh. (laughs) Which also like CSI, when it came out, I didn't pay attention to until like, I think it was on Spike TV. They just ran reruns of it. And then like, you could basically watch a whole season in like three days watching the reruns on Spike TV because they just run like four episodes back to back in order. I was like, oh, okay. So that's how I actually, I didn't, I didn't catch it when it was at the, the whole hype thing. I think the only time I actually like watched it live was there was the one episode that Quentin Tarantino directed. It's like, I'll watch that. Oh, okay. That makes sense. And then finally, the. <laughs> The Peace Day Resistance, uh, I guess. We have Miami Vice. Yes. Oh, yeah. Have we talked about The Mentalist yet? Oh, no, I guess not. Uh, yeah, The Mentalist, which is a show I hear. I hear it's... Okay, because, oh, yeah, it was, what I was explaining is that these shows are meant to last, like, a long time, usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and usually by, like, I don't know, like, the third season. They're not really worth paying attention to. They're just kind of there. Yeah. <laughs> like, these, 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 these shows are kind of, like, comfort for elderly people <laughs> and they're just there uh, like they're not good anymore but you know it's like i like that character and the show goes on um he's a nice so looking ment- man yeah <laughs> mentalist i hear is a show that's worth going through all the seasons which is surprising to me for a network show because usually network shows like a lot of contracts are built around seven seasons okay so it's like, or at least seven years. And so you do seven seasons and then you got to renegotiate your contract. And usually people don't want to be on a show for 15 years. And so they get out and they're already making like a million dollars an episode. So it doesn't matter. Or they're waiting like, Oh hell, if you want to pay me like $3 million an episode, I'll stay on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that stuff happens, but usually uh, people want to get out after seven years. And then you have like the weird tail end of a show where it's like the original cast is gone and like the new cast either creates something new or it just never lives up to the original. Yeah. Um, you got like the one guy that's like the anchor that is yeah, getting $3 yeah. million an episode. Then everyone around him changes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've seen that happen a few times, but I hear uh, the mentalist, uh, it ran seven seasons 
and so i hear it's it's worth the the, the watching the whole run so i threw that in there because that's the one i was most intrigued by because like whenever someone whenever someone like talks about a network show being really good i am always very suspicious <laughs> yeah it's like are they being paid for this but here on the Verhoeven effect, like uh, the, the Verhoeven effect is, is kind of like giving the benefit of the doubt. Like, I'm gonna try as much as possible to try to like, did they create art or do something ni- nice? Like, we're gonna try to give them as much credit as we can, but we don't have to. Yeah, it's just kind of uh, like the Action Boys, a a another podcast uh, that uh, they like to say is like doing work for the movie. Like so. <laughs> So here we're going to do a little work for these television shows, but we don't have to like, <laughs> uh, we'll try to do a little bit of work and then we'll kind of bring it back to reality. We'll, we'll see. Well, so our first show is we have NCIS new Orleans yep. uh, season one, episode one musician heal. I original air date, September 23rd, 2014 on CBS. I learned yeah. on this show that NCIS stands for Naval criminal investigation service. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know that. I had no idea what, what the show was based around. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, well, so what What I vaguely know about this is, like, NCIS is technically a spinoff of JAG, which is Judge Advocate General, which is, like, Navy lawyers doing. Okay, I remember that show. I didn't Navy. know it was related to this one. Yeah. I mean, I still basically don't know what NCIS is or what, how they're portrayed, if it has any basis in reality. Yeah. Like, I... I, like it felt to me it's like oh this is a way to have like a um, a police procedural show but then because it's around the military then you can have like big action scenes with big military equipment every once in a while that kind of seems like why that show makes sense i don't know if this has any basis in reality whatsoever i kind of doubt it but uh, i don't know yeah it could i mean it's a real organization yeah yes it is i yes. looked it up as like oh yeah this is real okay and they it's mostly civilians and they act essentially as law enforcement for uh yeah, that's the thing Naval I didn't know. Bases. I didn't know if it was like it seemed like a civilian organization, but I didn't know if like Navy personnel like are attached to it in some way, or if it's like when they get out of the Navy or whatever, then they can transfer into the NCIS. I, I think or it's probably they... something like that. I didn't really do yeah. much research, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, leave it a mystery. We got more. We got more episodes. We got a whole yeah. season to go over. It'd be something uh, to fall into. So the episode description for this is: a case turns personal for pride. When the body of a petty officer is identified as a former gang member he once mentored. Meanwhile, Brody continues her search for the perfect place to call home in New Orleans, uh, and that's credit from Internet Movie Database. That is the their uh, synopsis for this episode. Yes, uh, kind of want to be this like old school TV guide, like you know the way you used to watch television. You go through a TV guide and read the description and be like, okay, yeah. I'll watch that. This is that's how the old way you you know this is how old people watch movies <laughs> and television. Yeah, yeah. This was, uh, and this is also a. Pi- these are all going to be pilot episodes. Yeah. So this this was like the pilot episode, and I, and I know I've not read anything else about the series or anything. I don't want to know where it's going. I'll just watch it. And uh, so, sh- showrunner is Gary Glasberg. That's the dude. He, I think he created Jag, and he's created all the NCISs. And so he is, he is the showrunner for this season because. I think during the season or maybe after he died shortly after. Oh, and then there is a new showrunner for the, 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 the uh, following seasons. Oh, okay. 
also mark Harmon, who is the star of the ncs show is an executive producer on this show and i i have no idea if he has any involvement whatsoever on this and they just stamped his name on it and gave him some money yeah uh this episode is written by jeffrey lieber jonathan i kid and sonia winton i don't know any of those people but i'm just gonna go through this and maybe like uh, the further on we go through the show, maybe we'll like, oh, that guy. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, directed by Michael Zinberg. Okay. Do you have any immediate impression? Well, I guess um, something they so something they do in the in the regular NCIS is they have like when they you have like a surprise lead out, like something surprising happens, and then you cut to commercial. Yes. And then in NCIS, they do this thing where, like, it freeze frames. There's, like, this sound, this pop sound that happens, and then, like, the color fades away. And for this show, they do kind of a different thing where it's, like, it does something similar, but, like, the color <clears throat> gets very, like, vibrant. <laughs> yeah, it gets saturated almost. Yeah, yeah, but it's very colorful. So that's, like, their, the way they differentiate. And then some of the, like the snaps especially when they come back for commercial are like premonitions of like stuff that'll happen later on in the show um although sometimes like one time you see like scott Bakula's is on the ground and he's like covering two kids like what the hell is that about but then there's one where it's just scott Bakula laughing it's like that that gives no premonition like i'm waiting to see this part where scott Bakula laughs i, I don't know <laughs> that's one of their their stylistic uh, choices yes and this 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 show opens with uh, some guys working on a shrimp on a shrimp boat on a dock. Yeah, and they're they're dumping all this shrimp into into bins. And there's this woman who's like the girlfriend of the captain of the ship, and she's like looking at guys in in a suggestive way. And of course, she just has her clothes painted on, so it's just like very <laughs> revealing outfit. And these two guys are talking, and he's like, "Yeah, that's trouble, man. Don't mess with her." And then the captain of the boat or whoever this guy is, he comes down and he's just some muscle bound idiot. And he's like, who's been sleeping with her? You know, immediately <laughs> it just jumps right into this. And so a fight ensues and the guy gets shoved into a back, uh, kind of shoved into this plastic bin full of shrimp and, and the bin breaks open, the shrimp spills out and then everyone's kind of looking shocked, and, but it doesn't show you what fell out. <laughs> and then yeah. the one guy points, it's like, look, and it's a person's leg. Yeah. Um, and this it, is and then it cuts I'd say to the that, intro yeah yeah oh yeah they have that 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 song that's like boom 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 yeah the john hey, lee hey. hooker song yeah which is that's a great choice yeah that's a great choice well if, you're, if your show's called ncis new orleans uh <laughs> that's yeah that's the kind of music and the vibe you're setting up and i don't know anything about the culture of new orleans and all i yeah. have to do is ask dad because he <laughs> grew up around there but i never have so it's like, yeah, that's so I don't know. Um, any, I don't know anything that they're getting right or wrong about New Orleans. Yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I get the vibe that maybe this it, it is. It is shot there. OK, that's that good. Least. Yeah. Well, everyone got those <laughs> that Katrina money to shoot uh, movies and TV shows yeah. down there. That's been a, for a long time. And it's a cool looking place, too. Yeah. No one else. Nowhere else in America looks like that. So um, this is a pretty standard like opening for any kind of police. I mean, this is like. This is like Law and Order, like one on one stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Like you have the guys who find the body, and then they're like never in the show, but you just have like they found the body, so or at least a part of the body. Yeah. So yeah, then I, then I believe we we come back from the credits, and we have Scott Bakula walking into 
the NCIS headquarters, which is basically just a converted old building, <laughs> which I really love. Yeah. Because like I've been places like that where it's like, here's this old military installation. And like, we're not going to build a new building for you. <laughs> You're just going to use this one you have. <laughs> Right. And it's like, you know, it's like, you know, probably built in like the war one probably still has asbestos in it. It's like, and then, then you just got to drill TVs in the wall. And I, uh, I, it was kind of interesting where he has like, he's talking to the coroner through this TV. Cause like, I think I'm like regular NCIS. It's like the coroner's always like downstairs, but they still talk through a TV where I think here it's like probably the coroner's office is in a, different building completely i I don't know for sure but it's probably (laughs) yeah it doesn't seem like it seems like it's like oh we got to go see the body and it's okay well we'll eat on the way you know so it's they're obviously going somewhere Um, uh and i i did love the bit where scott backley is like there's the there's the kitchen he's like cooking for his like his agents yes so that's that's a fun little quirk it's like oh it's like he's the head of it but he's like cooking for people and stuff and 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 that's the police station and he's living there for some reason yeah, yeah, I don't know what that's about. That's kind of interesting. Because he talks about a wife, but you never see yeah. her here. I I believe they they cut to her at some point where he's like on the phone with his daughter, and they like they cut to his wife. I think. Oh, at some did point. they? Okay, I thought he was just talking to his daughter on the phone. I th- I thought they like cut to his wife at some point, like when he's talking to that politician guy or something, and like calls her up or something. Yeah, that um, could be. I could have forgot it. I watched but, a lot but, of network TV today. <laughs> yeah i can't I, yeah, I, I don't know if he was like living there for like because there's marital strife or if he's living there just because like he's on the case and that's what he does like he just lives there um, yeah but it's like it's like in regular ncis it's like there's like a whole like office of people it's like you know, like it with anything it's like here's the people that do the job and here's the thousands of people that are just admin behind these three people yeah. <laughs> And then here it's just it's just the people like you don't see admin or any of that stuff, and I guess in real life like the NCIS in New Orleans is incredibly small. It's like they have like a they have like an office and there's two agents. So yeah. this is in line with the real NCIS. Like that's how it comes out of New Orleans, and they're just like kind of report to DC or whatever. So. Yeah, they they uh, one thing I notice about this this show is they they use a lot of technology, where it's it's like because he's talking to the lady on the he's talking to cc pounder the um cch pounder cch pounder uh, the the coroner's thing and and but it's always like uh he's almost like saying commands to things it's always it's like oh is this start is this an homage to star trek where they're using all these tv screens because they have these very sophisticated scanning devices and ways to figure that or it's always and it's probably done for the audience's sake it's like look at this and this is why this is happening and it's like, yeah, I, I bet you law enforcement wishes they had resources like that. Maybe federal <laughs> law enforcement does. I don't know, but yeah, it's it seems like these there's there are a lot of, they're very tech heavy in this, and and, and you know kind of using things that are, I mean, yeah, talking to someone over a TV now or over a phone using something is in 2021 is not that remarkable, but in 2014 that would be kind of an expensive option. Yeah, um, because well, they, they are and they are using flip well, phones a lot too, so it's like. <laughs> Okay. Well, I think probably the reason they use the TV is just it's cinematically more interesting than them just talking on a phone. <laughs> yeah, it could be. But there's a few times when he yells out, yes, connect me to her. And then the, the boom, the <laughs> camera's in the coroner's room. And it's like, yeah. hmm, okay. So I think pretty much like Pride pretty instantly 
because uh, there, there's a Navy officer that comes by and it's like, hey, your your protege has gone AWOL. Um, yeah. Or, or UA, unauthorized absence. Uh, and they kind of joke about it. And then like, ah, maybe he's fine. He just found a woman. He's drunk somewhere. It's like, ah, it's probably okay. And then, you know, they find the the missing sailor's foot. And the only way they know it's a sailor is because his boot. It's like, oh, a sailor. that's a sailor's boot or whatever. Yeah. And so he immediately puts it together. It's like, oh, God, this is probably him. So, uh, And that's when they put it together. And then they eventually they just find the body. I can't remember. They don't show them discovering it. They just kind of mention it's being discovered. Well, the weird thing was, was the lake or the leg was thrown in the river and the yeah. body was buried somewhere in plastic. And it's like, well, who yeah. does that? And then they <laughs> described, they came up with some weird communication or some weird graphic of a skeleton fighting an axe. And it's like, this is how he <laughs> lost his leg. And I was like, what the hell's going on? And yeah, that was pretty a, stupid, but yeah, uh, it was like, yeah. Cause there's a part where like the axe, like, like takes a, like a, like takes a swing back before it swings forward. And they put the little like swing sound in it. It's yeah. like, why would he do that? Why would the guy putting the simulation together, put that in there? But you know, whatever it's for the audience. It's yeah. Like, yeah. That's fun. I've seen dumber things on network television, yeah. including NCIS doing it. <laughs> but um, yeah, then uh, they find the body, and then there's like a gang tattoo on him. And uh, like when he was a troubled youth, they're like, "Oh no, did he uh, join back with the with the gang?" And then and then that, that leads them on to investigating like the local gangs to see if there's like. If one of the other, either the 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 gang he used to be affiliated with killed him, as like some sort of uh, tactic to keep in line the younger gang members, like yes, is you don't ever leave or we kill you when you're older. Or yeah, which seemed kind or, of dark. <laughs> um, or, or if it was a a rival gang that killed him just because, and so, um, but the, before that they they go to like where he worked at, which was like a civilian port, but he was like like a Navy attache or something like that. Yeah. And so they go to his doc boss and he's eating, he's like eating ice. And like, they also mentioned something before, like that they found a tooth that wasn't his. And so like somebody's missing a tooth. And I see that guy eating the ice. It's like, I bet he did it. (laughs) Yeah. See, this is one of the problems I had with this show is, is like immediately they find a leg. The naval officer meets with Scott Bakula or, 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 you know, pride, the character. Pride. And it's like, ah, yeah. One of the, the guy, the kid you pulled out of the, you know, you helped out of the gang life or whatever. Yeah. He's missing. So immediately it's like, okay. Yeah. They pulled that. It's gotta be that. It's gotta be that kid. Cause it's of course, because we're doing a one episode, we're going to wrap this up in 40 minutes. So it's yeah. like, okay, I know that's going to happen. And the guy's eating ice. It's like, well, there's a dude with a tooth. Um, and then where's the troubled dad? Oh, yeah, he's a musician, jazz musician, <laughs> and it's like, well, oh. yeah, we, we've got food and music already, so it's already yeah. proven that it's New Orleans, right? Yes, yeah, we we knew know. from the title <laughs> where it was. Yeah, see, I have no idea like how authentic this gets is, or if it's just for people who like think they know what New Orleans yeah. is, and this is just like an artifice that, like, yeah, that's fine, that's New Orleans. Yeah, it's like it's. Bourbon Street and and showing your boobs and beads, right? That's yeah, that's the whole <laughs> culture, uh, and people speak a kind of a weird French. Um, yeah. Oh man, like yeah. Uh, did, did you want to comment on like the the quality or not quality of the the the, the uh, Creole accent in the show? Oh uh, yeah, the Scott Bakula fading in and out of uh, 
<laughs> the, the Chicago to New Orleans accent. Uh, you know, it's like, what? what is this? Uh, now, here's the thing. Like, I have no idea what's an authentic New Orleans accent or not. But here's the funny thing about a New Orleans accent. Whether it's authentic or not, it sounds fake. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those weird things. Like, is that a put on? You know, because when everyone wants to sound dumb in America, we just do a put up of us like a southern accent. Yeah. Or or if they want to make fun of boring people from the Midwest, they'll do like that real straight talk. It's like, oh yeah, we're gonna milk the cows. You know, that's all that that kind of weird. <laughs> Then we have the New York, you know, Sopranos talk. But, yeah, it, it's like it's always an affectation, but this always was an affectation. <laughs> and it faded in and out with his range of emotion. Like when he was real yeah. emotional, all of a sudden he, you, you, it's like, is this guy from the swamp? Is this, <laughs> is, you know, and then but when he's talking like in technical terms, it sounds like me and you. It's like, what's yeah. So, yeah, and I suppose that's hard to do. And, and you know, when a guy shoots. And this is the first episode, yeah. so maybe it like completely disappears by the second episode. Why? Well, yeah, I don't know if they're doing dialect coaches on network TV. <laughs> um, no, no. So it's just like, well, you got to make this work. Okay. But the Scott Bakula character, I guess they make him more like empathetic and emotional. Uh, yeah. And, and that's easy for Scott Bakula to do. But that's that's a pretty large departure from like the Gibbs from the regular NCIS, who's basically emotionless and there's like occasionally there's like episodes where he's like working on a boat at the end of the episode and he's like talking to someone's daughter and it's like oh he does have emotions he just doesn't bring him to work <laughs> yeah or, or yeah or, or yeah he's got some quirky thing that that passes for like characters you know development it's like no this, yeah it's okay yeah grady builds wooden ships at home <laughs> cool but but here like they try to build this whole thing about like this this whole NCIS group being a family and so like they you know like if you work back with all the stuff they put together it, it they are doing that so that is fun and different i guess so yeah yeah i mean none yeah, of the like, characters are cuz we got like um oh his right hand man uh LaSalle <laughs> he's he's like right under uh you know uh Dwayne Pride his middle name's Cassius that's cool uh <laughs> And then you got the lady Meredith Brody from Detroit, um, yeah. who doesn't know is like confused about gangs and stuff. It's like, wait a minute, what? Because she even well, says no, she, I'm from Detroit, she, but then yeah, she doesn't. She, no, no. Seem... She, when she said she didn't know about Bloods and Crips, that was uh, she was being intentionally. Uh, no, but she, well, she just, no. Just, I knew that one was a, was a joke, but yeah. earlier she said something. And uh, and because the, they're always making fun of her because she, she's like their Midwest character. They even say it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, and then they have the nerd guy. Um, yeah. Who's like the who's like the coroner's assistant. Or yeah, something. And, the, and computer expert and coroner's assistant. Yeah. Uh, and then they got CC Pounder, CCH Pounder. Yeah. As the who I haven't seen Which, in a uh, long time. Yeah, last time I saw her was like the Shield. But yeah, it's been a while. I I used to not like know how like do you pronounce the letters or is it like Chech Pounder and then I found out what it is like so she has like two middle names and so it was like her it's like Carolyn Kristen like Heather Pounder or something like that and then oh. she just made it CCH Pounder because uh, I guess when she was trying initially getting into acting when like it was a feminine name like people wouldn't cast her but if it was CCH Pounder they didn't know who they were calling in. But they'd call her in, to, to, but they have no idea when she was coming in for a role, and she got more roles because of that because they didn't know where the gender was. Oh, okay. So that's kind of interesting. But yeah, she's a great actor. So. Yeah, she's from a British Guiana too. 
<laughs> she was raised in the UK and then came here at 18 to be an actress. It's kind of got an interesting backstory. And then there's a there's a a, a slight crossover here because uh, she's she's examining the body and she's looking at the tattoo and the tattoo is like doing weird stuff. It's like wearing away for some reason. Yeah. And then she connects it with some case in DC, and so they have a crossover with the coroner from NCIS makes an appearance on a TV here for for NCIS Norland. So that's their their crossover for this episode. Yeah, there was also two prequel episodes to this that introduced all these characters. That was oh, part I don't of know about another that. NCIS. Yeah, it was. Well, they were. Oh, was it like on regular NCIS? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, okay, but they okay, introduced okay. Scott Bakula and all these people as the people from the New Orleans division. Okay, I did not watch that. <laughs> no, no, and there's no reason to. It's just we're doing this show. So, but the the tattoo thing was like kind of clever, where it's like. It's like, oh, it was tattooed post-mortem. And so it's like, somebody's trying to throw us off the trail. So I guess that, that was kind of clever. Um, yeah, I mean, there's always good science in these police procedurals. It's like, because, yeah, if you put a tattoo on after somebody dies, it just washes away eventually because there's nothing for the ink to bond to because there's no blood flow or anything. And so that's <laughs> how they explained it in the episode. And I didn't know. Yeah, that. I have no idea if that's true or not. Yeah, it that doesn't, seems it doesn't matter. Like... It's like, man, maybe it is, but yeah, yeah. it didn't, I didn't take me out of the show. I was like, Oh, okay. This is going to be their evidence. Well, then they have the thing where they talk about like how, like, and I, this also, I have no idea if it's true or not. They're talking about how like ink isn't regulated by the FDA. So like, the, yeah, you can trace it to, yeah. Yeah. Cause every, cause everyone doesn't have to make it to the same, same standard or something like, yeah, yeah, don't something know if like that's that. true, but yeah. no, that's sad. But it seemed interesting for the, for the, for the, the mystery of the show. So. Yes. Uh, you also have like the evil politician shows up, uh, who starts up like a, a gang task force. And then like, you're, I think, are we immediately supposed to pick up on that? He's an evil politician. And like, he's doing this as like some sort of, a smoke screen. <laughs> yeah, my first impression was that he's just like a pain in the ass mayor. Who it's yeah. like I want to clean up these streets, and and the and the main character is, is like, no, you got to understand people and go get and get to know them. And I thought it was that, but then by the end of it, it's like, oh no, this guy was working with the people importing heroin on you know. <laughs> it's like this guy's a really bad guy, and he wants to make New Orleans an even bigger hellhole. So yeah, but we'll see where that goes. So they figure, yeah, they figure out, they find a, they basically figure out it's a dock worker and they go back to him and then like, ah, can you get this for us? And then he goes in the run and they have a slight change. I figured like, I figured like the first episode they'd have like more action, but this is kind of like the, except for like the, the uh, drive by, this is like the biggest action moment of the show. And it's really just a light chase into a car. Yeah. <laughs> it seems not... a little anticlimactic. Like <laughs> yeah. he's not, he didn't go to his office and get a gun and start shooting at him or something, which <laughs> would have been uh, for his, yeah, as much as he didn't want to be interrogated, but you know, it's like, Hey, one, come on, let's bang this out. We got six more to shoot. And then they have like the interrogation. That's where you get the idea that it's oh, that's a politician is somewhere behind it because he's like he's not giving up names. He's like I can't tell you that. Like I'll be dead if I tell you that. And, and then like Brody says something about like yeah, I can't wait to get like a lemonade and a beignet. And it's like this is for tourists, isn't it? Yes, like please. this that's not that what. But also because I guess she's not local, maybe that's lame for her to say. Like that is like how it's supposed to be taken that that is lame because she's not a local person so she would say lame stuff like that. yeah that could be 
I also didn't want understand the one part where they're looking over evidence and they're like sitting out like on a table in the middle of nowhere and like, hey, do you want to order dessert? And there doesn't seem to be a restaurant within miles. It's like, where are they ordering this from? Uh, he pulled out his phone right at the end. Yeah, yeah. So I, I assumed it was like some. But some initially, I was thinking the same thing. Like, this is a weird restaurant with like one table. <laughs> Out in the middle of some humid like area, but I guess that was the the, the house she picked. Oh, okay. Because this was the the over one of the one of the themes in this show was was that Meredith Brody needed a house because the place she was living, she said they're shooting off firecrackers all <laughs> night and stuff, and it's like yeah, those are optimistically firecrackers. <laughs> like oh, you mean they're shooting guns? <laughs> yes this is new orleans yes but also there was a thing that like pride like was really interesting like where she lived because like where you live is what it says about you so you need to pick the right place to live and so i had no idea if that's true but that's just kind of fun color i guess yeah. and i didn't know if like I, I wonder if they're trying to make it a big surprise it wouldn't be a surprise but like because she has a short haircut and stuff like is she just gonna be a lesbian and that's supposed to be a surprise it's like i, I have no idea but i'm, I'm guessing there Oh, I, I don't know. I wasn't. I didn't think about that at all. I figured there was always this going to be this tension between LaSalle and her, this sexual tension. But uh, yeah, okay. that could be that. That's I don't. I never know anymore. <laughs> you never know anymore what's going on. Which and then there's like kind of a little showdown at the end between uh, Pride and the, the politician. Um, yeah. He's like he's like yeah. I always get my person. You know me. It's Stephen Weber as Douglas Hamilton as the evil politician. That's right. Yeah. For some reason, when I think of New Orleans, I always think of like Jim Garrison. Like that's that's the kind oh, of guy yeah, that yeah. comes to mind for me, and, and the real Jim Garrison, and the one that um, they guy uh, Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner played in uh, JFK. But the real Jim Garrison was kind of a weird dude like that too. Um, just, I believe there's been a crime committed right here in New Orleans, <laughs> and I'm not doing that accent any justice. I just New Orleans is like yeah. just like a southern accent for me, but uh, yeah. I'm optimistic of the show. I think it does um, some things well where it's like very small and like, you know, like they kind of make it this family group instead. So that's kind of interesting, but it is probably the, the poor showing of the shows we watched, but it's, but you know, it's the pilot. It just kind of seems generic yeah. at the time, but maybe, you know, maybe they'll find their way. I mean, they still get, this did get seven seasons. So, you know, had to work to some point. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess I, it made the least impression on me of all the things we watched. Yeah. Uh, and there's nothing specifically wrong with it. It's just like, oh, I t all those nights working midnights, I didn't really miss a lot, <laughs> did I? It's just like, there's no hole in my life from not seeing this. Um, but we'll see. It's got time. It's got to develop. But also, like, I, I don't, like um, I, I was going to save this analogy for maybe for all of them, but, like, I guess I'll use it here. But I was using the analogy of that, like, these – shows are like jumbo jets mm. like they're gonna they're gonna take a lot of people with them but they need a long runway to take off yeah so these shows are their their character development is very slight so like with a movie you'd have like throughout two hours you'd have like this whole catharsis and and character evolution and stuff like that but for a television show where you're expecting to have like seven years like it's very thin character development for every show. And maybe by the end of the season, you might get a little character development, but it's a police procedural. So like, it's mostly about like the crime that's happened and then a little bit about the people. And this episode seems to be more, okay. It seems to be less about the crime 
uh, and and uh, more about the people that are investigating it. So. Yeah, when it actually came to the crime, like they seemed to want to touch some real like emotional touchstones about yeah. like you know a, a father who didn't know his son, and uh, you know, and then the main character saying, "Yeah, he was like the son I never had." It's like, well, okay, we're we're hitting on a lot of points, but then it all just seemed to be like wrapped up. And it's like, oh, okay, this is network TV. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is a, Scott Bakula gets to play in with the jazz band. Yeah, which is like, yeah, let's have fun. Your kid's dead. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and the Saints come marching in. It's like, okay, good. That's that's uh, you're doing it. Um, got you know, got two hundred hours of character development to go if you're lucky. So, <laughs> so, so that the second was, show we were. That was, yeah. yeah, NCIS, New Orleans. Like I said, I learned what NCIS stood for. Yeah. Because I honestly didn't know. That's how unprepared I was. Uh, I only learned a little about the NCIS and the gone world, but that, that was uh, <laughs> that was completely different. Yeah, that's like a whole di- Like, if it was something like that, I'd be like, oh, I'm what, what was I missing? <laughs> uh, Just looking at Scott Backlow, like, where's the spaceship to go to the dark side of the moon so we can go time travel? (laughs) Yeah, where's where's secret NASA, Scott? And and what what about the trees and the in the the, (laughs) where the Buddhists are crucified upside down? Where's that? That's like I was tuning in for this. Oh, and the saints (laughs) go, you know, it's like, whoa, what's this? (laughs) So as for our next one, we watched the uh, the Mentalist. Started in 2008 and ended in 2015. And I think for shows that I watched for this episode, this was the most interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, not that Miami Vice, but I already know Miami Vice. So I'm kind of like, oh, yeah. okay, yeah, okay. I've seen, quad. <laughs> I, I know what I've got to see here. But this one, the main character is an interesting dude. Um, yes, he's the most complex character. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. Everyone else is a cardboard cutout of of cop and bad guy. But you know, let me uh, let me do the little rundown, real quick, unless you were going to go through. Okay, no. so this this uh, season one, episode one, it's just the episode is just called Pilot. Yep. <laughs> so uh, original air date September twenty third, two thousand eight. Um. The episode description is a double murder seems to be the work of a notorious serial killer named Red John, but CBI consultant Patrick Gain, Patrick Jane thinks it's the work of a copycat. Um, so that is again an internet movie database. Um, showrunner is Bruno Heller. Yes, this episode was written by Bruno Heller and directed by David Nutter. Nope, Bruno Heller of Rome, uh, HBO fame. Yes. I don't know if you've ever seen the T if anyone out there has seen the TV show Rome or hasn't, you should watch it. Because it's <laughs> it's wild. It's pretty cool. Um I mean don't watch it with the kids around, but uh it's like, oh, they're doing this. All right. <laughs> so it was interesting that this was like his next thing. So yeah, on the mentalist we have a guy, Patrick Jane, who has some kind of super observational capability. Yeah, and he was a I mean, he, psychic. I mean, he's I mean, he's basically like kind of like uh, Sherlock Holmes, but yeah, different. yeah. If he Sherlock Holmes as a con artist, <laughs> yeah, Sherlock Holmes was a well, Sherlock Holmes was a dark character, but he was always like purely interested in like we're gonna figure out what's happening, and I'm gonna use unconventional means. Where this guy, I don't like I said, I have again. This is another one I haven't read anything about it. I don't want to know because I'm just gonna watch yeah. him. But this guy seems to have a very strange set of skills 
Yeah. For a guy who was like a TV psychic. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that's because of his super observational stuff or something he learned in his past to be, because he seems to have like criminal skills too, like pickpocketing and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> huh, okay, well, I don't know where is this. And, he, and he's very morally ambivalent too. He's yeah. like, the ends always justify the means. Yeah. Like, yeah. Some of the times when he figures things out, it seems to be, they have violent conclusions and it seems like he maybe wanted that because that would be the most interesting thing to happen. Yeah. So he is, even though he is the hero of the show, he is kind of an anti-hero. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, let's talk about the first thing that happened. Just the, just a cold open to the yeah. series. Yeah. This got, is the introduction to the character. It's <laughs> the introduction to the character and the start of the show. Um, we got a family, uh, you know, husband and wife, and uh, and and their daughter was killed, and and then they think the neighbor kid. They're did giving it. a press conference as they're taking the neighbor kid and putting him to custody for possibly killing his daughter. And of course, cameras are right up in this kid's face, like all kinds of stuff that like these are TV tropes that doesn't happen like that anymore. Maybe in California, and like it, you kind of get like the uh, the the point of view of the uh, was it Patrick Jane Jane Patrick Jane character. yes yeah. And like, cause and some of the details they give you like aren't necessary, but maybe I don't know. Cause there's one thing where he's like, he's, he's watching the coroner or the, like the, the ambulance drivers take away the body and he notices a tattoo, Yeah, which I don't think has any relevance right now in this episode, or maybe it just shows off that he notices details. I have not, that'd be amazing if that has like some weird callback that this tattoo has. But for this episode, I don't think that tattoo has a callback, but we'll see. Well, and then we have the husband and wife giving a press conference, like doing a presser and the wife is doing like, obviously overacting very like, I don't want my husband to touch me. I don't want him to hold my hands. Like even we can pick up on this. Like we're with Patrick Jane on this. Like we see something's wrong here with the husband and the wife. And then he goes into their house while this press conference is going on, makes himself a sandwich and two cups of tea just because that's what he does. <laughs> He's this kind of guy. And then he looks through pictures of like the daughter sitting on the dad's lap, obviously uncomfortable. And I know right away it's like, oh, yeah. oh, oh yeah. okay, this is going to get ugly. It's like, oh, the dad killed her because he was sleeping with his daughter or something. And the wife seems to know about it. And then he has a conversation with the wife where he uses all his observational skills to weed out the fact that, yeah, you know, this guy's, this guy was sleeping with your daughter and it was, it was, it was his daughter. And so he confronts, uh, uh, the, the dad. Well, she, she, well, he gets the thing out of her. He's like, you know, when your husband's lying, don't yeah, you? Yeah. And she's like, yes. And that's a key point because then when he confronts the, the husband, that's a, yeah, he confronts the husband, basically straight up asks her, are you having sex with your daughter? And, of course, he's, like, looking at the ground, like, no, you know, obviously, like, lying. Yeah, and as soon as he, he says that, she just starts, like, basically crying, like, oh, my God, he did it. <laughs> yeah, she believes she was totally bought in, and she walks into the other room, gets a gun, like, come back, comes back and shoots the husband to death, shoots him in the chest, and, and Patrick Jane just kind of steps out of the way because he knows she's going to do this. <laughs> and then all the other cops are coming in, and they're like, what's going on? They're pointing guns around and stuff. And he's Yeah, they're, of, like, they're almost accusing him at first. <laughs> like, yeah, what did you do to her? You know, what'd you, how'd you make her do this? And, and he's just, like, completely, like, nonplussed about, like, eh, well, you know, look what he did. He's, what? what? No, he goes... It's not as bad as it looks. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's actually fucking worse. 
Yeah, it's it's like this girl's daughter's dead. Now she's going to go to prison the rest of her life. Or not. I don't know. Let her out. That's, you know, uh, mitigating circumstances maybe. But still, it's like it, what it says about this character is like, oh, this guy's just like just there's just no – there's no like – moral compass with this guy there's just like this, yeah, is, this I mean, is right and this is, is what i'm he doing he is searching a truth he is searching for justice but he also has no morals which yeah. which makes this character fascinating because <laughs> it's hard to trust him because it's like well he's right but he's also the way he goes about it is like kind of terrifying <laughs> yeah it's always yeah everything's always done for another purpose it's like oh is he being nice to this guy is he talking to this guy is it you know yes he's very duplicitous that's yeah uh, yeah and nobody really likes him because when he turns out to be right and i'm not going to do a breakdown of the whole episode because it's actually kind of a complicated story (laughs) there's a lot of things going on and yeah but it's like even when he's right the second time because the only other character in this that you know anything about is the uh is is, um oh what's her name lost the characters cast and characters was it teresa lisbon yeah teresa lisbon who's the like the 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 head of the cbi which is like california's version of the fbi yeah criminal division or whatever whatever however that works it's a fictional like fbi not fbi (laughs) well some states do have like um a separate like that's what like the text texas rangers is technically like the texas bureau of investigation but and then uh, Ohio and Oklahoma have something like it, but it's always for murders that cross multiple counties. Yeah. So they're like a task force, but some, I, a lot of states they have the state police, you know, which is it's a weird. Yeah, way got, to buy it's not necessarily explored here, but I'm interested. Is like what kind of like mythos will go into the CBI? Because I imagine there will be one. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> but the only other character you really know a lot about in this is Teresa Lisbon who's kind of like the grumpy boss, who's, yeah. who's just a cop who wants to do cop stuff because uh, Patrick Jane is, is, is just a, is a consultant, an outside consultant with the CBI. He just helps them on cases. He's not at law enforcement. He doesn't have a gun, which I saw is an interesting choice. <laughs> it's like, okay, because <laughs> he gets guns pulled on him a few times. But <laughs> And then you have, um, you know, the two, you have the Asian cop and then the big, like, football player cop. And then you've got the young lady who's apparently um, very is kind of religious and stuff. And he she has like like moral arguments with Thomas Jane about, you know. Yeah, that was weird. I I do. When that that conversation happens, I just immediately became suspicious of her. Yeah, this is going to be a problem later down the line. Yeah, this God (laughs) stuff's really going to screw something up. Uh, yeah, because you're in like a field of science, but it's like, ah, let's go to feelings, and I believe in God. <laughs> That's not going to be our problem. <laughs> yeah, but we have, yeah, we come back from from the credits, and there is a uh, um, there's like some pro golfer, and they come upon um, his body of his wife and some doctor. Yep, um, and then so the CBI gets called in to investigate and Patrick Jane shows up and he's supposed to be on like a two week leave, but he just shows up anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not sure if, cause so this is where you get a little bit of glimpse into there's like a, there's like a blood painted smiley face on the wall. 
Yes. And then this is it. The, this is the, the serial killer they talk about named Red John. Yes. Which is why, which is probably, I guess, I'm not sure if they mentioned it this time, but he must have found out. Oh, I know the, the football guy tells him the. Uh, yeah. I can't pick up on his picture. Oh, one of the one of the agents tells him. And, and uh, so that's why he shows up here when he's not supposed to. Um, and then he picks up pretty. They have some guy come in there. He's like examining the scene and like trying to recreate it for them. And then like Patrick Jane is like, ah, he's full of. Yeah, <laughs> that's not what happened. Like, I know Red John. This isn't Red John. Yeah, he did have kind of an interesting. Yeah, he had a run in because this guy was being way too excited about describing this crime scene where someone had had their head smashed in with a golf club and the lady had been like put on a bed, basically cut open and tortured. And it's like, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that was uh, that was interesting because everyone hated that guy. And it's like, oh, I hope. Our, our our main character is going to say make a cutting remark to him, <laughs> but then yeah, then there's um, then they go to like the the one guy's practice to like figure things out there, and then the the they bring in another doctor character, and then for some reason Patrick Jane is like, yeah, I need some sleeping pills. Like you, when he's trying to see if he suss them out, it's like, yeah, is, is this doctor going to do a list of things? And um, yeah, they just kind of hold on. You don't know what's going on there. You just but you, you know you're left to like hold on to it. Yeah, and the, and then the like the regular investigation kind of starts uh, vying towards like the brother did it or something, and there's kind of a back and forth there, and there's a fun little moment where the I think it's Agent Cho, he's like confronting the the golfer guy, and because like they arrested his brother, and they, he tells him like, well he's been banging your wife like it's a church bell or something. Like yeah. That. It's like, <laughs> Yeah, there's some interesting dialogue in this. <laughs> it's like, oh wow, that's uh, that's pretty. And like, because Asian show is like pretty emotionless, and like, but he has like these little quips that just come out of nowhere, and so he's he's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> he's very serious, but you know, occasionally he'll throw some jokes. In. So then that that kind of like leads him off the trail again. And then meanwhile, like patrick jane like stays up for like 24 hours and you don't know why you see him like writing in a diary and yeah like, and writing weird symbols and stuff and it's like what is this and guy then, doing and then uh lisbon picks up on that he's been up for 24 hours and she calls up the doctor to get him sleeping pills but he has to go talk to the doctor first i imagine this is a psychiatrist right i would assume well yeah i'm probably would assume so he didn't, he didn't seem to be wearing a coat and have like a check-in area, so this is probably like a high dollar shirt. Yeah, it's a oh yeah, psychiatrist. What's the one that can prescribe medicine? Psychiatrist. 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 Yeah, psychiatrists are okay. med- medical doctors with training. And the psychologist. In- okay, yeah, psychiatrist. Psychi- okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that, that they're both doctors, but one is a medical doctor. Yeah, one can prescribe medication. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a uh, Patrick Dane goes and and basically gives a. You know, tells them what's wrong with them, and then like the doctor immediately, kind of like at the end of it, it's like, well, that was all a lie. Yeah. <laughs> That's the same thing that happened to Johnny Cash. <laughs> really? <laughs> but he does make the observation that you are in real pain, and then, um, and then I think I can't remember the flashbacks, but this you get some flashbacks where you see him being like a, oh, what do they call that, a medium or what? Yeah, it's sort of like yeah, psychic medium. Over with, yeah. Yeah, and like he, you know, he has his own show, and he clearly like was very successful. Uh, and you see him just like 
basically conning people. Yeah. And uh, and then at some point he, you know, he is consulted by by. Um, they talk of he's he's getting interviewed by hosts and they're talking about he's consulting with the serial killer Red John case and he makes some comment about Red John and then uh, Red John kills his wife and his daughter. Yeah. Uh, and leaves the trademark and so that you, you know, that's that's where they're like okay this this is why this guy is upset you know he's not just casually doing this for fun there is an agenda for him like he needs to catch Red John. Yeah. And then they go to they go to dinner and they have some weird stuff with with the team, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then like somebody slides a note underneath his door that's saying it's Red John, um, and then he chases it, but it's like, but he doesn't catch him. Uh, and then at some then at some point he goes back to the doctor's office. I can't remember. Maybe that's the meeting he goes to get the pills. Uh, and then that's where he starts to the to, to pick up on something about the doctor. And he's like, it's like, ah, oh, we think he had a diary, but I don't know. And then he basically like tricks the doctor into turning the, 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 his partner's doctor's office over looking for a diary. And then you find out, then he, then he basically pretends to find the diary. It's like, oh, it's right here. Oh, we got it. Well, 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 I'll see you tomorrow. Like, we'll look into this. And like that, that whole thing he made up himself, like that he spent all night writing in this diary to try to make it look convincing at a distance. Yeah. And then basically the doctor, the doctor says he's not going to confess. And then he just goes and does the super villain thing of confessing <laughs> exactly what, what happened. It's like, ah, there's no evidence here. Um, uh, and it, it's, it's really weird. Cause like he, his, it, he's like supporting kids in Africa and, but he's also like embezzling and it's like, it's this interesting thing where he's like, I need to kill these people because then that saves children in Africa. So it's like two lives is nothing compared to the thousands of lives I'm saying. It's like, it was such kind of a, a weird um, MO to, to murder somebody. for. Yeah. Well, it's because he wanted to be the good guy and embezzle money and his partner wasn't having it. So yeah, yeah. that's why that's, yeah, it was all basically the, these people all died because, or not all the people, but the people that died in this episode all died so this guy could embezzle money, essentially, the one of the doctors, yeah. who was not even one of the main suspects. <laughs> but, yeah, so it was uh, this one. Yeah, this is the... Yeah, I like when he, uh, the doctor pulls a gun on him and then he eventually like runs away because he like convinces the doctor they took the bullets out of the gun, but, you know, it's an obvious ruse. Yeah. Um, uh, and then he runs out and then like at some point he like made a call to have like backup and like when he's running out of the building he's like get your gun out he has a gun yeah <laughs> like, that was a fun little moment yeah it yeah, points out like yeah he's a consultant he doesn't have a gun he can't defend himself uh, but also like is another thing where it's like this is what he wanted he wanted this confrontation to happen he made it happen <laughs> yeah he, he has a way of manipulating people that's sometimes subtle and sometimes not Sometimes it's like, oh, this guy's obviously, you can't always see where it's going. I knew where it was going with the doctor because I knew when he like went in for a hug after he got the <laughs> prescription. It's like, okay, yeah, he's picking his pocket because yeah, the, yeah. the doctor made a show of swiping the ID card and then pressing the button. And then it's like, okay, yeah, he's, he, he has his card and he's going to come back. And so like I wasn't surprised by any of that. But, um, but the way it ended was it was fun. Yeah. And and uh so i actually was pretty engaged with this show for the first time out 
it's it seems like it, it could be a darker having a you know a darker deeper thing going on so. <laughs> yeah i was most kind of like just looking forward to this because it yeah the the very complex character and i like yeah it was just the most interesting uh let's see some of the notes i have is like sometimes they deny physical evidence in favor of complex innuendo yeah where he's just like he's just kind of picking things out putting things together and like for the audience it's fun if he's always right but that's not necessarily like great for like investigative purposes like we're not necessarily gathering evidence we're just like looking at things making observations and then just taking a guess and then but he's always right because he's always the smartest guy in the room yeah and he even said that once yeah to the doctor he's like yeah i know you don't like i know you don't like talking to me because doctors always want to think they're the smartest guy in the room but in this case (laughs) i'm the smartest guy in the room and but the way he delivers lines is is the actor's really good. Yeah. He's good at playing this character. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to more episodes of this. Yes, this should be fun. And then our third show. Yes, this the is old standby. <laughs> yes. Um Nathan's I don't know, this is one of your favorite shows of all time. <laughs> I mean, again, this is one of my favorite uh well. It's an aesthetically pleasing show for a time in history that, like, it, it, it makes all this stuff seem sinister and cool at the same time. It's, yeah. it's like, and it was kind of had a weird, uh, this is one of those things where it was, it was sort of put together by a committee of, like, uh, you know, programming executives and, and, a, and a creative guy where it was basically like, how can we make cops but it looks like something totally modern. Like, I mean, like yeah. ultra, almost futuristic. Like, well, we can set it in Miami and we can have it be, you know, and Miami's like drug central. So we can make them, you know, undercover cops that drive expensive cars and shoot people and uh, seem to have an open-ended budget to <laughs> buy drugs and arrest and not quite arrest people. Um, so we're talking about Miami Vice. Yes, um, 1984's Miami Vice. Season one, episode one, Brothers Keeper. Oh. Uh, original air date, September 16th, 1984 on NBC. Oh. Uh, the show Miami came on Dis- at 10 o'clock at night. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess what, yeah, what... Yeah, watching the show, it seems kind of risque, even though it really isn't. But yeah, it's, it's seen, it gives off that vibe, though. Like, oh, this is... Uh, uh, Miami detective Sonny Crockett reluctantly teams with New York cop Rico Tubbs, when both of them end up pursuing a drug dealer who killed their respective partners. Um, here I have showrunner as Michael Mann, although if you look at the credits, it says created by Anthony Yurkovic. Yeah, basically um, uh, Brandon Tartikoff, who ran NBC at the time, uh, came up, he kind of was working on a concept for a new cop show. It was supposed to be with younger people. Yeah. Um, and Anthony Yurkovich was the uh, was a writer and producer on uh, Hill Street Blues, so it's like, well, you did a successful kind of dark cop show like set in Chicago or whatever, and so they gave him this one. Uh, uh, now I think after six episodes, he totally turned it over to Michael yeah. Mann. So it, yes. he wasn't. He wrote a well, few, and, and then there's also like a, a Rolling Stones article I wrote I read that was like basically gives all creative control over to michael mann like everything gone went through him the show the music the look of the show 
clothes, guns, like all that. They say cars. Basically, say that all went through Michael Mann. So that's basically why Michael Mann gets attributed as the creator of Miami Vice and the the thing. But I, I don't know if it's true or not. But that that article says that also because also like so Michael Mann took he was already he was already an executive producer on the show, uh, but he takes over as a showrunner after six episodes. But then after the second season, he leaves the show. But yes. Um, but yeah, this Michael Mann gets attributed to Miami Vice, uh, probably the closest. Yeah, I mean, it's well, the look he, the look that was generated, especially you know after like the first season, when it's like every everyone's wearing, um, you know, like either everything's got a very pale pastel look to it. It, it you know, it, again, it makes Miami look like this wonderland of the future. Uh, and, you know, and we have these exotic cars, and we and it and it's all kind of based around this fiction of affet, uh, asset forfeiture, which had just come in at the time of this show. <laughs> which is like that's where they're getting the speedboats, the cars, yeah. all this stuff is because they're taking it from drug dealers and they're taking money and using it. And um, but it's like the place looks beautiful, but it's also yeah. just this underbelly of crime and, and incredible <laughs> violence. <laughs> Um, so, so even though the show is like 36 years old, 37 years old, um, out of, out of all the shows you've watched, this is the biggest looking, best looking and most expensive looking show, yes. even though it probably costs less than those other shows we watched. Oh yeah. yeah. But, but, the, but at the time this was made, this was an outrageously expensive show this episode it's a it's a two hour basically it's a basically a two hour tv movie so about an hour and a half if you cut out the commercials and it was a five million dollar episode and uh, spent i'm not sure how much that was in music because like yeah this has like a a a motion picture soundtrack to it essentially um and it's a tv show this thing looks like a movie and like you think about this show and like Scarface was just a year before, but this like kind of looks better than Scarface. Oh, yeah. Like maybe not, maybe not, maybe not because Brian DeMomo was great with camera movement and stuff like that. But this looks like more futuristic and this is a like year later. I mean, the, I don't know. Scarface probably kind of took a place in the late seventies. Maybe I'm not sure, but, um, um, but yeah, this, uh, this definitely had a look and looked the most expensive and was the most impressive of all the shows. we watched. Well, this, this like created a kind of an 80 style. It's like yeah. wearing a T-shirt under a, like an Armani suit, a silk Armani suit jacket. <laughs> Nobody had did done that before Don Johnson. Okay, it was like that was the guy who 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 created it, uh, that look and and yeah, because they would buy suits from like Versace and cute and Boss and and then they have these guys dressed like this. But there was especially with Don Johnson, there was this weird mix of casual and because he was wearing like boat shoes with no socks. And so I was like, people didn't do that before this. <laughs> um, and, you know, and he had the pet alligator and all those weird affectations. Oh, this is a, so I'm not sure how you saw, but I saw this on the stars app and it's given and I, I imagine it's original four by three presentation. Uh-huh. Uh, so, but uh, and I've seen widescreen versions of this episode. So, um, so I don't know if you was yours four by three when you saw. It. I know you yes. had to see it in the weird. So, yeah. if you look at it, there's a lot of space above people's heads. Mm-hmm. So I think it was shot in like it was just shot in an open frame, but it's meant to be cropped down in like li- widescreen. Yeah. 
So if you think about like all that space above people's heads, we'll now shrink it down to widescreen. I think that's, it's, it's kind of like shot with a cinematic presentation, but you have to put it on a TV screen. (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, so I think it was meant to be cropped, but you know, like you have to put this on, um, you have to put on television and television was that time or four by three. So, yeah. Uh, and also like, uh, I didn't, so the, the opening theme song, the credit sequence theme song, that song is like burned in my mind and I didn't even know it was Miami Vice. Oh, I just, I, so I started hearing it. It was like, Oh, shh that song <laughs> i probably just like heard that in the background because like i've never really like sat down and watched miami vice like through a season but like it's it would like rerun forever and like i just like it was probably just like on the background throughout my childhood <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah yeah that's the famous intro song which actually changed over the years Oh yeah. There's there like four different miami vice intro thought like that one was only played in this one because it didn't have the guitar hook in it Uh-oh. and then once they went into regular production they brought in the you know they had the between the guys beating the drums they had the guitar which <laughs> they didn't have in this and they also slowed this down quite a bit um but that all disappeared and then when dick wolf took over the, the the intro it was still always the same intro but the music sped up and some of the images were shifted around yeah so yeah, for some reason i always remember the flamingos and the the guy playing highlight yep. <laughs> and the girl in the outfit with the big boobs walking by. <laughs> they always had a lot of that in this show. There's always a lot of like women with, you know, top. And I, I think in this one, like the credits kind of just like rolled back into the show where there's like Don Johnson, like at a corner and there's some guys like dancing on the street. Break dancing. Which not, uh, uh, break, break dancing okay. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm the, I'm not sure. Well, well, I guess we'll find out. But I'm not sure. Like they didn't really do that in other episodes. It kind of just cut to the television show, right? Yeah, yeah. This one was a little. This was a little different. This was essentially a. Pilot. I mean, this was long. This is a TV movie, basically. Yeah, so it was had, a long pilot. Yeah, it's kind of like a proof of concept. Like, oh, can we do this? It's yeah, we can. Yeah. Because Crockett, or Tubbs, is not as fun in this as he is in like the regular. Ah! Oh, I like when he's doing his like Jamaican character and there's that part where he's like in the strip club and he's like mouthing the words, the song, and he's just like dancing around with the stripper. It's like, that's fun. Cause that was like, kind of like what I was surprised about. It's like the actors, Philip Michael Thomas. Yeah. And like, I was kind of like, Oh, like I always kind of felt like, you know, everybody knows Don Johnson, but like then everybody, no, but nobody else in Miami Vice. But like, no, this guy was great. It's like too bad he wasn't really like, I don't know if he's in anything else, but like this kind of seemed to be his one big thing. I know, I know later on we get Edward James almost, but like I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. Yeah. Just for Brothers Keeper, it's kind of, they're not as, uh, because like when you first see him, he's, he's very serious. You have no idea who he is, or even if he's a cop. He's just like a guy with a sawed-off shotgun and, yeah. and like a, and like a Lincoln or something in New York, and he's following a guy. Yeah, uh, following the, the guy who time, killed his brother. Yeah. So we don't know that yet, um, but we, you know, we presume that. that yeah, oh, he did. Uh, um, but then, yeah, then we come back from the credits and. Don Johnson's talking to Jimmy Smith's because they gotta go, you know, set up a, a drug deal. But the guy is like trying to cut out the, 
was it the Colombian? Yeah, yeah, he was. He he he's trying to Cal, go into like Calderon, I think. Is. Yeah, yeah, he's trying to go into business for himself. Um, and it was it was interesting. I did, I forgot that. Uh, oh, what was his name? Jimmy Smith. Yeah, I forgot that Jimmy Smith was in this. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, oh, okay. He gets killed by a car bomb. <laughs> But outside the car, so it was kind of it was different. Well, yeah, like the he's walking over to the car, and, and Don Johnson clocks the the bomb underneath, and but it goes off, and he can't like warm in time. And then it comes back, and it's a voiceover. It's like, yeah, it's C four. It's like Jesus, the Colombians are getting hold of C four. Yeah, plastic <laughs> explosives just invented like six years ago. Colombians <laughs> have it. Yeah, it's hard to believe this show's like almost what thirty. 36 years old because <laughs> yeah. it doesn't look like it um well i mean this I, mean, I, I will this the, this one in particular kind of well i mean it's dated but it doesn't look old no the only thing that's like weird is like you know it's like why are that why aren't they calling people it's like oh yeah they don't have that <laughs> well, it does have a boat phone <laughs> yeah it does have boat phones and i think later they get car phones but they're the crazy yeah. kind Ones where you have to like have the engine running to talk on them. Oh, I like about they're gonna run a trace. He's like, "Let me get Ma Bell on this," and I was like, "I guess I'm old enough to vaguely know who Ma Bell is." Yeah. <laughs> Which what, what was that? What was the? That was before they broke it up. Bell telephone. Yeah, but it was like that was before they broke it up, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I think I forget. Well, I forget when they broke up because Bell still existed, and sir, yeah. I think it might have served the East Coast on the way down to uh, Florida. I'm not okay. sure. Oh, okay. I thought this was pre-breakup or something. No, I think they broke up. They started breaking them up in the late 70s. Oh, okay. Because it was when they had, when Carter was the only, like, president that could manage to do that for some reason. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I don't want to get political on this show. But, yeah, I think it started under Carter and then. What happens next? Well, yeah, this just gives, you know, basically you have um, Crockett's partner gets killed and his, you know, with his pregnant wife now, now widowed, and like so that gives him the, it's like now he now he really needs to dig down and solve this case. And that, well, there's gonna be you know at some point they, but then Tub shows up and he's like, who's this guy? And he's like, he's, and then he finds and they have the the, the what's he driving? He's like chasing the boat. Is that like a Camaro or no? It's like a Firebird or something? Yeah, it's some, one have? of those cars. Yeah, Camaro Firebird, something like that. Because one of them has a. One of them has a Camaro at some point, and then some. Then at some point, they switch to the Firebird. Is yeah. the black one a Firebird? I think it is. Then, like later seasons, don't they have like Ferraris and Lamborghinis and stuff? They, you know, I mean, yeah, like that's the whole thing about like forfeiture and stuff, where they can just have whatever car they want. Well, interesting production stuff. The Ferraris they were using in the early late or the seasons after this, they were actually replicas of Ferrari, and Ferrari sued them and said you can't use our because it said Ferrari <laughs> on the car. It's like you can't use our name like that. So they, then they blew up the cars. First they made some story <laughs> thing, and then they actually Ferrari donated cars to them because the show was so hugely popular. It's like put real Ferraris on there. Here's one. <laughs> actually, we need five because you know they're going to get shot up, and we're going to drive the hell out of them. But um, so yeah, that's yeah. As 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 the thing, uh, there's all kinds of like tr- trivia you can look at. It's like. All the cars and guns and boats they used in this, they didn't use in the regular season. They had different stuff. 
Um, even for like the f- episode right after this, all everything was different. So yeah, but that's because they got approval for money because the movie was popular. <laughs> yeah, and it also gets Crockett and Tubbs together. Yeah, and then you got the kind of the, the weird moment where like he goes down to get ice because they punch each other, and that's kind of like their their bonding moment. It's like you went too far. I'm gonna punch you. It's like that's all right. <laughs> Yeah. Like, nah, like I went too far. It's okay. And they punches him back. It's like, ah, now they're friends. Uh, but then he meets Elvis. <laughs> and that's kind of a, a, a comedy moment in the show. Yeah. Because uh, that's where he kind of learned. I think that's where he kind of learned. I mean, it's later on because it's explicitly told, but he's like talking about like it was a, the uh, Florida, uh, University of Florida's mascot. And now it's his pet. And, and he apparently is also like a drug sniffing alligator or something because yeah. <laughs> he like eats the drugs he finds or something. <laughs> um, uh, and like, like, Oh, why does he have like a university's pet? It's like, Oh, I bet he played football for Florida. And that's later explicitly told. Yeah. Um, Cause then like Tubbs was like, Oh yeah, you're, you're the, you're the honky that <laughs> did a 96 yard touchdown. Like you're a hell of a receiver. Why don't you go to pro? And that's where he says like he did a tour in Nam. And that, oh. I guess that ruined his NFL career. Oh, okay. Because later on, the guy who like betrays them was like his old partner, I guess. But I guess he was also like in Nam with him. Took a bolt for him or whatever. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm not sure if they really like state that outwards. I think I just kind of like, oh, that's what that's supposed to be. <laughs> But yeah, they're 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 trying to set up the they're trying to catch Calderon, but he like won't meet them in person, and things keep getting going going haywire. And like it's like, oh, is our cover blown or not? And then it's like, oh, we got a leak in the department. So then that's the other dilemma that's going on. It's like, oh, bad cops. Uh, and then they suspect it's like the uh, what well, they call him a lieutenant, but it's like the head of the, it's like their boss essentially. Yeah. Uh, and then he, and then he's like he like they're his. The, his boss is sending his daughter to like an expensive Catholic school. It's like, oh, how can you afford that? It's like, Crockett, if you have any problem, why don't you just ask me to get the money? He's like, all right, Lou, where are you getting the money from? He's like, none of your business. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, that's immediately suspicious. <laughs> but also meant to throw you off. Yeah. There's always something. And even though, like, this, like, looks big and cool and all that stuff, I would say, like, the action scenes are necessarily, like, outrageous. Like, they're kind of pretty simple action scenes. Like, it's kind of just a shootout or an explosion, but it's nothing too uh, too uh, crazy. You know, they're not, they're not, like, shooting Predator or anything. <laughs> no. I mean, yeah, in this, in this pilot, no. Um, the show is actually one of its signature pieces is the just – the, the firepower that goes on regularly because yeah. i mean this... I, I think i've seen later episodes where it's like they did way more like action stuff oh yeah i mean this is in the 80s but this is a very expensive show but i don't know like, one thing i was trying to think of there were other big act 80s action shows like i'm trying to think like like the a team had big action stuff right for a television show did some pretty big stuff uh yeah that was always kind of the set piece though it's it's like we're gonna have a it was like a trips and tricks and traps type episode or every episode. We're going to like build something to stop the bad guys. 
yeah. uh, in the A team, and we're gonna just you know throw all. We're gonna use fully automatic like assault weapons, <laughs> and no one's gonna get shot. You know, the, yeah. the, the bad guys yeah, are yeah. gonna like fall over, but no one really got shot. They just got scared from the guns. Um, and uh, yeah, but Miami Vice when they shoot people, it's usually it counts. You know, that's yeah. yeah. I mean, they'll shoot a lot, but. Um, because they used a rocket launcher in an episode, and I think uh, Tubbs had a, a fully automatic like M16 for an episode. And I think a flamethrower came into it at one point. <laughs> I don't think I think it was one of the bad guys was. Now, there's a lot of stuff I'm missing, but we don't have to recap the whole show. But you get to the moment where you have like the probably the most famous episode, the fam- most famous moment of this TV show, is when they're just driving the car and it's playing in the air of the night. Yep. <laughs> Which became um, the theme for this, uh, you know, uh, show. Even though it, that happened like the last three seasons, I think. But yeah, it's what everyone associates it with. Um, and I think in my head, it's a lot bigger moment. And then watching it here, it's like, eh, it's fine. Yeah. Um, but also, I, I think like I think of like eighties anime, and like it kind of, like they need to do like an animated version of like this scene. Because, like, when, in 80s anime, they always had a bit where, like, there's cars driving at night and the way the light strobes over the car. Like, that's how I imagined it in my head. And it was kind of, it was that, but it wasn't as, like, big as I remember it. Right, or right. how I've imagined it in my head. But it still is, like, a huge moment. Because, like, you imagine, like, like this, oh, here's this famous song. Here's this cool-ass car. Here's these guys, like, contemplating, like, we're probably going to die tonight. But <laughs> and he calls his wife and it's like do we have what we have was real and it's like yeah it's like it's like what's the problem crockett it's like nothing it's like oh he's really gonna go die yeah <laughs> yeah it was good it was good at building tension i mean this is one of those shows that's like again it's it's style over substance and it's more fondly remembered than it yeah. is but it's still cool well, to watch oh yeah it's cool yeah there's like almost like for a police procedural there's almost no investigation nah. stuff it's all just big drama but it's done very well <laughs> yeah it looks cool and there was never anything like this before yeah this is you know this is this was that had like modern looking stuff kind of it, it, i mean miami vice had a look that was unique to miami vice like it didn't it wasn't even really miami it was just like this is the tv show it's like um and you know and the amount of drugs and money moving around in this tv show it's like oh this is insane <laughs> like this, this is all, where's all the money in the world here these guys are walking around with two hundred thousand dollars in 1984 it's like that's you could retire with that you know back then but oh you did have the uh the cross-dressing assassin that that, that was in there yeah um, one of their one of their guy oh, yeah, i like that there's this guy they let him go and the, the then the judge like publicly states like well because of the information you gave us we're gonna let you go and like that wasn't true at all and they basically just put a target on this guy's back yeah <laughs> he was extremely mad he's like no put me in jail I didn't give you anything <laughs> um but of course he gets killed <laughs> yeah in a very weird where he's like just leaning up against the wall somehow and he falls over <laughs> but it ends on it yeah like they they catch Calderon um tubs is like kind of faced with like it's like i should just kill this guy like it's perfectly in my rights yeah, i like how like crockett comes up and like it's like don't do it it's not worth it man it's like what well, we know nowadays like oh, all these cops would have just like wrote a report saying <laughs> he resisted 
<laughs> I did, you know, I did. Yeah, I, I know that I emptied seven magazines. Um, but yeah, it was uh, not possible. Oh, and that, and then also before this, they they catch the informant, which that's his old war buddy and his old partner, and he goes over to his house to confront him, and they basically arrest him. Which is an interesting scene because like the guy just has a bunch of excuses and it's like yeah it's this fun thing where it's like yeah the cops only earn thirty thousand a year and like nobody wants their wife to work and everybody has like three kids <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah it's like what world is this <laughs> i mean it does make 2021 look like a <laughs> hole uh, you know, <laughs> this is like this seems like a cool place even though you might die compared to like what we're dealing with today which is just which is actually a lot better and a lot less violent than back then, but also more depressing in a, in a way. It's like we're kind of yeah. trapped in like a boring, slow apocalypse now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's uh, Miami Vice is. But uh, it's yeah, they, they catch called they catch they catch Calderon, but then a judge like they're about to like secretly transfer Calderon, but then a judge comes by and lets him out, and then he just like escapes in a plane. Yeah, and they just like, have to let him go. It's like, oh, that's our series-long villain. <laughs> well, actually, like Crockett makes the t- the, the statement. It's like, ah, we'll get him. Like it'll, it'll be another face or another name, but there's always guys like that, and we'll we'll catch one of them. They'll basically be that guy. They're all the same. Yeah, <laughs> we'll find them. Uh, and you know, is a a New York cop, and they they. But he's also like here under false pretenses, so he's like, oh, "I'm gonna get in a show at the uh, at the New York precinct." But then, basically, at the end, they kind of, with a voiceover, they intimate that like he's gonna transfer over to the to the Miami Vice Department. Yeah, and of course, that's what happens. So yes, because we wouldn't have a TV show if we didn't. Yeah. Also, like especially for the time, this is a very diverse cast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Because that was a comment I was going to make about NCS New Orleans. Like, it takes place in New Orleans, but a lot of the show is white people. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's a black victim. CCH Pounder is a black doctor, so she's in. And you got the black musician, but there's it's like kind of a lot of white people. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, that's the first episode. But uh, and then Mentalist is you know you know fairly diverse. You know they got but like uh but for Miami Vice for its time it seems pretty progressive for what it's doing so yeah well that's that's what like again miami i'm sure that was deliberate too because it was very futuristic even though if the futurist future wasn't the theme of this show it just had its own thing and miami's like that it's just it's a lot of different people um, yeah apparently all getting together to sell drugs in the 80s um but <laughs> yeah so it, it it was uh it was almost seen as like a. Oh, I, I don't know. Yeah, it was like a projection of the, like this is what two thousand is going to be like or something. You know, now all their buildings are just falling into the sand. And this also has a yeah. There's kind of a stark line here between like there's good cops and bad cops, but not necessarily corrupt cops, just dumb cops, <laughs> which is something that comes up in Miami Vice a lot. Oh, okay. It's yeah. like they got to bail these guys out because they're uh, um. Well, there's a the one guy's cracking wise at the scene where Jimmy Smith's get blown up, and like that's, oh, those are the lugheads we're gonna constantly yes. encounter throughout the series. <laughs> they it gets dark though. They, they, even okay. the bad detectives, it gets dark. 
but yeah, that's uh, that's for later episodes. But yeah, a lot of the stuff that's established here is uh, you know it carries in through the se- through the season, and that you know this was a an interesting introduction to a show when you realize that the, this was the introduction it's like oh okay this is kind of cool this is kind of like movie like in a way yeah it was basically a movie yeah so. I, mean, was, I enjoyed watching it more than i did like the recent miami vice remake <laughs> even though that was kind of cool in its own way yeah but it, it had, was... had neat stuff but it wasn't a great movie no it's just the shootouts were amazing it's like they brought yeah. it up to fully modern times um but yeah, this is uh, this is always a show that stand that I remember fondly, uh, for for the reason that it just it, it creates its own it creates its own world that's based on something. It's, yeah. It takes something real, real concepts, real ideas, and then makes it fantastic <laughs> in its own way, um, and it epitomizes yeah, yeah. the '80s. Yeah, uh, yeah, and like a lot of things like took cues from this. But. Yeah. I mean, you get like the Grand Theft Auto games. You have Vice City. Like, it's basically just like Miami Vice, but from the criminal's perspective. And like, all styling and music is taken from Miami Vice. Yeah. And then and you got like guys like Kavinsky. Um, yeah. Basically, you know, his career you know, or some of his music was built around the music stylings of this time. And he's driving a Ferrari Testarossa in one of his videos. And, is this, what's this called, like, Neon Wave, this look now? Oh, f- well, crap, what's that called? Yeah, well, there's, there's a weird name something for, it. for Yeah, but it's basically pastels and neon lights. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's not Neon Wave. It's something different. It is something wave. It's like va- Vapor Wave. Yes, that's okay, it. yeah. That's what, Whenever <laughs> I see, like, Vapor Wave or Neon Wave or whatever, it's like, ah, oh, that's all Miami Vice. Which is cool because that that's all young people today, and it's like this still resonates some way. Yeah, I mean they're not like cheering on Edward James almost like will he ever smile? But you know. <laughs> but yeah. Now we now we get to the Verhoeven effect, where we're gonna analyze all the shows at once. Uh, <laughs> I forgot what I was talking about. No. I'm kidding. <laughs> Well, one thing that like every every one of these shows has, because it's a procedural, there's a moment where like one of the characters has a personal attachment to the case, and instead of like we should let we instead of going calmly going like we should let other people handle this with a cooler head, in every show the person who's too close to the case gets to solve the case. <laughs> and all because that's just how, that's just how TV shows work. So. And almost in a satisfying way, like. For yeah. him personally, it's like this isn't how life works, um, <laughs> but it's a TV show. And I do think, like a lot of these shows, like I said before, like you know, a lot of these shows are built with long runways. Like with the Mentalist, I think we get a lot of different. We get like we get to get a character catharsis with with the Patrick Jane character in the Mentalist, but there's still room to to like, wow, oh, what's this going? But like, we almost have nothing with all the other characters. So, but that I imagine that'll be built later on. Uh, NCIS is pretty standard. They just kind of like want the people to be likable. So, like, yeah, I want to come back and watch them. Yeah, I like them. I want to watch them solve crimes every week. Yeah. Uh, but like, Miami Vice is pretty complete. Like, it's not necessarily building towards a TV show. It's kind of just a movie unto itself. But you could see it being a TV show. Yeah. 
Like that that's that's pretty apparent. So. Well, and a um, lot of things in Miami Vice are established by visuals and like style choices and cues, not through dialogue. It's like, oh, we know what this guy is because this is how he dresses, this is how he looks and 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 then the music, you know, you have when the bad yeah. guy appears, it's like wow. It's like, okay, we know <laughs> this guy's the bad guy. But uh, and we just kind of take that in. It's like, we yeah, it's like, yeah. okay, NCIS, that works. NCIS and The Mentalist don't really have a style, or no. at least not one that really stands out. <laughs> no, I mean, they're just, well, I mean, the NCIS is just a copy of a copy of the, and I didn't know it was related to JAG. Now you tell me that, it's like, oh, the origins of this must go back 20 years <laughs> or more. Um, but I mean, like, you know, even the NCIS, it's like, yeah, it was my least favorite of everything we sampled, but I enjoyed it. I'm trying to find, uh, like, like in The Mentalist, I can, it, it's like, what, what's the social subtext there? It's like, it's, it's, it takes a criminal to catch a criminal. You know, <laughs> is our society yeah. this, like, this corrupt where this, this angry man who with these amazing, uh, you know, this amazingly high IQ and ability to see through things, it's like, yeah, you, he can lead us forward, you know. Th- this is the hero we need or we deserve. What are they saying? I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of <laughs> it, it, that's the stuff I look for. Like, well, what does this mean, you know, down the road? Yeah, uh, it's hard for me to get a lot of that out of NCIS because it just seems like these are boilerplate characters. Uh, even though, I mean, it's, even though they're uh, yeah, dealing NCIS. With... Go ahead. NCIS is definitely like the most built out of like you can miss an episode of NCIS. Yeah. You can come back whenever you want. We're go- we're still going to be here. There's not going to be some major arc you're necessarily going to miss, unless it's like a season finale. Then they'll probably have something like, "Oh, you missed something last week." Yeah, <laughs> but these all are all the pilots, and so we'll, we'll see. what we are looking forward to is like, what are they going to do? <laughs> yeah, I mean Miami Vice, I kind of know where it's going to go, but that's just yeah. because it's thirty six. Yeah, years well, old. One of, yeah, one of the reasons I picked it is like I've never actually just like sat down and watched a season of Miami Vice, but like I, when I was a kid, I saw a lot of like, um, uh, of the um, the reruns, but like I don't. There's not really an episode like I have in mind. It's just kind of a vague image of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I don't really know Miami Vice. I just kind of just have. Uh, through osmosis like no <laughs> well see I, miami vice is the reason like i knew who hannibal lecter was like before silence of the lambs came out because hannibal lecter plays a role in miami vice oh yeah. and it hooks up to manhunter later yeah, and that's, that, that's michael mann so. yeah so it's it's like let's well, some people say what's oh, the michael mann you know yeah i know i know hannibal there's lecter. a lot of like famous a lot of famous Miami Vice episodes that people intimate like, oh, this is just like, this is just the trial run for other Michael Mann movies. Yeah, and it could very well be true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I yeah, I don't know if it is or not, but it's like you can find that it's like, oh, this became heat or this became collateral. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of, uh, yeah, and it's one we've seen like play out like what, what was the resonance of Miami Vice, you know, for years yeah. later? It's it's like, you know, none of these other shows have been or are probably going to rise to that occasion. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's one of the reasons we choose Miami Vice here is it's kind of like the control group. Yeah. Of, of a police person, even though it was like a pretty uncommon um, 
you know, it's a, it's still original for what it is. And like, not every show at that time was doing this, nor probably could it do it, or it would just be seen as a, uh, as a, as a copy. It's like, ah, you're a pretender. Yeah. Yeah. Also, that, you know, but a very expensive show. Yes. I mean, there was also a lot of amazing guest stars on like Phil Collins was yeah. a character in Miami Vice like that. Uh, he wasn't just providing the music. Uh, Bruce Willis was in an episode. <laughs> yep. So yeah, I think that, I think I think I saw a thumbnail for the next episode, and I think Ed O'Neill's in it, but I'm not sure. <laughs> he might be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it's one of those shows that like has a lot of cultural resonance. Yeah, um, it was a cultural phenomenon. So, but I'm going to tell you, it's not as deep as people think it is. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. It's more fi- again, more fondly remembered. We're going to find out as we go along. There's going to be like some great stuff, <laughs> but then there's also going to be a lot of candy, a lot of cotton yeah. candy in those pastels. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think of our enjoyment of these uh, series. I'm not sure. I don't think NCIS is going to pull ahead of Miami Vice. <laughs> Probably not. But that's because Michael Mann. And I've always yeah. had a soft spot in my heart for him. But I can see The Mentalist, like, maybe getting equal with it. I'm not sure. It's The, the Mentalist. I mean, like, we, neither of us even heard of this show. Yeah. So I, we already know it doesn't have the resonance of Miami Vice. But I don't know. I'm very interested yeah, I did. see the thing. Here's what here's what makes here's what makes a TV show great for for Nathan. I don't know about everyone else, <laughs> but the thing about Miami Vice that's cool and becomes cooler as it moves on is kind of that dark atmosphere. It's like whatever yeah. happens, ultimately bad shit is going on. Whatever small yeah, well, victory you make over this one Colombian or this wacky drug dealer that you either shoot or put in jail, oh, there's a truckload of cocaine coming in the truck right behind you. <laughs> And uh, and you're fighting an uphill battle, and your life's a wreck. Well, also, like the way you're describing, like the A team, it seemed like there's no consequences. But mm. here, there is. Yeah. So if a show has like a a foreboding uh, undertone, and you know, like, oh, there's life and death. I mean, you know, there is because they're not going to kill off the main characters of a network <laughs> TV show. But the people around them, it's like, oh, I kind of like this girl. She's been around five episodes, and bang. That happens in Miami Vice. Uh, we'll see with the mentalist where it goes with the, because it seems like they're talking about serial killers and really smart ones. So you know that that could that could get really weird. That could get really dark. I mean, it's it's kind of been done. It's like everyone, you know, the ultimate psycho serial killer, of course, was like Hannibal Lecter. People like that. That's been done. that's kind of like the apex of of that kind of serial killer. Other than you know, they got the Michael Myers walking around with a hatchet type. <laughs> but those are just more forces of nature than like something you can outthink. Yeah, they're more like Brad Pitt in in uh, t- uh, what's that? Uh, Once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah, where he's like the unbreakable character. Like you're never going to defeat him, no matter what you do, no matter who you think you are. Right? Bruce Lee couldn't beat him. You know the the Manson clan couldn't. The girl couldn't. You know her head was not going to survive being run into that brick wall fifteen times. <laughs> his wife maybe didn't survive him uh, he was holding a spear gun but we don't know what happened but yeah so <laughs> you know th- those kind of characters are you know that's but then you got the thinking serial killer guys so we'll see where it goes yeah. i mean they got to keep it pg-13 so you know it's not going to be like <laughs> oh see his remember his intestines flew out like we're not going to see that so. 
Uh, we did. I think we mentioned the part in the Mentalist. There's a part where he goes up to the bedroom, and there's just a mattress on the ground. We imagine like, well, that's where the bed that where his wife and child were killed. So he just got rid of that. But there's still the like half washed off smiley, smiley face. Yeah, and the camera on. like because he's sleeping on the floor. The house has no furniture in it. He's got a mattress on the floor, and it's like, oh, this guy's living some weird aesthetic thing. What's this? aesthetic? I mean what's this all about and the camera pans up to like the smiley face logo on the wall and it's like oh that's just he's gonna sleep under that because that's where his wife and kid were murdered wife and daughter i believe and it's like ah that's that was sort of that was sort of dismal in a way again we'll see where it goes yeah we do have a pecking order here it's been established in the first episode of (laughs) most most favorite to least favorite we'll see if it changes I don't think it's going to, but <laughs> I'm, we're, we're going to give it the whole season spin. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna cover a lot uh, with that. Uh, well, did you have anything else? I believe that's that is all the outline has. <laughs> yes, the outline is complete. The work is done. <laughs> so for the Verhoeven effect, this is Godlin. This is Nathan. And goodbye, America. <laughs> of course. It's the only catchphrase I have. <laughs>